Hey folks, Pastor Peter here, Monday, March 6, 2017. Welcome to Between the Lines. Um, as you know, one of the reasons that I launch this podcast and post whenever I do get the time is to talk about things that perhaps didn't get to be discussed on Sunday um, due to brevity, um, or maybe there's a further application that we could have elaborated on if we had more time or we're spending more weeks talking about a certain topic. So if you were in our church yesterday, uh, you know that uh, we spoke about racism, and the title of the sermon was the what was the title of the sermon? The place where race has no reason to reign. The place where race has no reason to reign. And we were blessed by having Jesus preach to us, and he did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. I was in both services. I heard both sermons start to finish. And uh, so I'm here with him and excited to talk with him about his sermon. So, first of all, I know I thanked you already. I was just really, really blessed by you agreeing to do it. Uh, that blessed me personally with the week that I had the week before, but it just it's always a blessing to hear you uh, open the word before us. And um, yeah, I'm just grateful that you're on the team. Cool, thanks. And uh, I remember even last year after you preached, there were some people who would come to me. Uh, hopefully they also come to you, but they come to me <laughs> and they're like, that was a phenomenal, phenomenal message. And uh, this week was, uh, was no different. So um, I guess let me start off by asking this. Just as you prepared for the sermon... How did God work? I know God works in me as I prepare sermons yeah. and not just to preach, but just my mind is changed. My heart is challenged. And I'm just curious, how did God use the prep yeah. in your life? Yeah, so it was actually really good for both Mackenzie and I together. Uh, I think it sparked a lot of conversations that we hadn't planned on having, mm-hmm. um, but they ended up being really good conversations. And I'm really grateful for those times that something like this does come up because they're topics that we wouldn't normally talk about. And right. so, um, but personally, I think it was in God's providence. I don't even know if I shared this with you, but back in October when we went to Chicago, uh, mm-hmm. I was talking with the people in the car we were driving up there with. We kind of had a conversation about this issue, race and the church and leadership and what might that look like and just a little bit of a different tenor to the conversation. But I've been thinking about these things since, since October, mm-hmm. and then when you asked me to preach on it, I just kind of laughed. Um, <laughs> I mean, I didn't laugh. It's a daunting task, and I knew that, but in God's providence, it's been on my mind since then. And, well, so. and I don't know if you remember, at first I just came up to you, it was like, I wanted to involve you in the sermon, and I didn't know <laughs> if it would be just, can you help me prepare it, help me think through it, or to have you preach it. And I said that to you on a Sunday, and then like a week passed, and when I followed up with you, you told me that you'd been like yeah. losing sleep and that, yeah, that, <laughs> basically had an outline. That night and... I was losing sleep already. <laughs> I was like, okay. But it didn't is... help that you said, hey, I want you to preach. Oh, by the way, it's on racism. Like, <laughs> that was the legit right. introduction. Well, and you me. said, uh, sure, put the brown guy up on the day yeah. talking about racism. <laughs> I said, you, you can't prove anything. Yeah. Um, but anyway, cool. So you, were help- you said it was helpful because of the conversation that you and Mackenzie had. Yeah, and I think like my that third just emphasis at the end that I shared with the congregation, I think it really opened my eyes to, I, I guess it showed me where I'm at on the spectrum. I'm definitely closer to the privileged, mm-hmm. I guess what we would call the white privileged side of the, of the issue than I am on the suffering persecuted side. Um, mm-hmm. And that was really, really good just to recognize and to be humbled by that too. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just easy to forget. I, like I said, my problems are not that big they're not that grand in the scheme of things yeah and so i have to take a pause and remind myself too like if i'm going to be able to reach these people i have to be thinking about what they're going through too can you remind me 
the third point, the point you're referring to. Yeah, it was just that uh, education should lead us to compassion. And so if we want to know the people and and have a heart to serve people that are not like us, we have to go learn about them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just like I said, it showed me that I'm closer to the privileged side of of the issue than I am on the suffering side. And when you say go learn about them, what comes to mind as something, how do you go, I mean, read a book? Like, what do you mean by go learn about them? How might I go learn about them, whoever they are? Yeah, the most, I think the most easily accessible thing in our, in our day and age at this point is like podcasting and YouTubing stuff. I think there's a lot of really good content that you can just listen to as you're doing something else. Mm -hmm. And even while I was at work preparing for this sermon, I was listening to different preachers and different panel discussions and stuff like that. And um, there's a lot of good content out there. Mm -hmm. At times I find myself, there's so much content on the internet now that I just don't listen to anything. There's times like that, it's kind Mm -hmm. of overload. But I think when you're trying to find information purposefully, it's a great resource. Mm -hmm. And you can, that's why I made that list that's in the outline of the resources, just so broad. None of those resources in and of themselves, any one of them was life changing. Mm-hmm. But I think if you take time and invest in any one of them or a group of them, mm-hmm. you'll get a, a, a lot of information that is really helpful. And if you're interested in seeing that list, uh, I don't think it's up yet. It's usually up by about Tuesday, but both the sermon and the outline can be found at graceky.org forward slash sermons. And today, uh, March 6th, you should be able to find it. It'll be right at the top. But going forward, you can just look under speakers and look for Jesus Cantu and you'll find the sermons that he's preached, this being one of them. graceky.org forward slash sermons for both the sermon and the outline. Um, can you remember, I remember you listed a bunch of uh, authors, Christian, non-Christian, and then you did list some podcasts and some, did any just stand yeah. out to you? Like if I was going to go to that list of podcasts or the web resources, where would I start? Um, specifically for the, the video stuff, the, the web stuff? or Yeah, I don't know what was on there. I just remember so there was a lot of URLs. Let's just, I'll, I'll just describe what was on there then. Mm-hmm. I, I put on there a list of some different books uh, by Christian authors. Some of them were books that I used. Some of them were books that Isaac Cain recommended. Mm-hmm. Like I said in the sermon, Isaac is a missionary at NKU, and he's doing a lot of work with minority students. And so he was one of the people that I talked to doing research for this sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of them were books that he referenced and he recommended. Uh, the non-Christian authors that I listed were really more about the experience. I think the Christian authors are very much, how do we reconcile this as Christians? How should we think about these issues as Christians? Mm-hmm. The non-Christian authors I, I referenced there, I think is really helpful because they don't have that perspective necessarily from how they're writing. Mm-hmm. So they're conveying an experience. And, Oftentimes their conclusions are different than I think I would find myself coming to that conclusion mm-hmm. uh, just because of the spiritual life that we live or the spiritual perspectives that I come at issues like this with. But uh, it's it's hard to deny the experience that they're conveying. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's really helpful, especially in these areas that we're really blind to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's value in understanding how other people understand these things. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I made it a point to list those non-Christian authors. Cool. Um, like especially the one that I read uh, by Tanahasi Coates, "Between the World and Me," uh, it's a pretty, it's a tough read because he writes very eloquently, mm-hmm. but it's also short. I think it's only a hundred pages, and he writes it as a letter to his fifteen-year-old son, and the idea is he's telling his son what it's like to grow up black, and he's mm-hmm. he's in his forties. I think he's an author and he's a prominent journalist now through his writings, mm-hmm. but uh, man, just the the color and the language that he uses is so vivid. 
I had to read it a few times over. It's one of those books. Like, mm-hmm. You can't just read it and move on. You have yeah. to kind of go back and think about it because every line is really rich. Hmm. But um, it's challenging. I found it challenging just mm-hmm. to, to really soak in what he's trying to say and, and understand kind of like what I try to do in my sermon. Don't judge yet. Just hear what he's saying and listen mm-hmm. and experience that as, as he wanted you to experience it. I found it really helpful that you asked us specifically in the way you worded was to suspend our judgment yeah. before we, was that before? Before I read those experiences. Oh, before you read those experiences. Yeah. That's increasingly difficult, it seems, and I don't know, I don't really know what that's indicative of, but it seems to me, if you've had any experiences like I've had, when, when we bring these issues up and I'm trying to talk about Christian living, sometimes the response I get is political. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk about policy. Right. I'm trying to talk about our hearts. Yeah. I'm not trying to talk about Trump, not Trump, D.C. Really, it has nothing to do with it. I'm trying to talk right. about our hearts. Do you sense that as well? I do, yeah. Uh, I think there's, as I was thinking through this sermon, I think there were a couple of things. I think as a church, we're just really prone to start analyzing things, start thinking mm-hmm. black and white, right and wrong, good and bad. As a church, as our church or the church? No, I think you... just, or I guess for me most accurately, I'd have to say in Midwest, mm-hmm. white Anglo church culture, because mm-hmm. that's not where I came from. Uh, I grew up in a Hispanic, bilingual, English and Spanish church in L.A. This is a very different cultural context. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's a very different perspective on the political issues mm-hmm. there. But um, just the tenor of conversations. And I heard through one of the panels that I was listening to, the way the guy said it was, the white church responds very quickly with truth or with facts mm-hmm. and the or white culture, not the right, the white church, white culture wants to respond with facts and black culture wants to respond with emotions. And hmm. the way he kind of explained that was as soon as you hear, as soon as it comes out on the news that a black man was shot by a police officer, the white culture wants to say, well, what were the facts? Was right. he, did, was he holding a gun? Was mm-hmm. he pointing the gun? Maybe he was, you know, did he rob the place? Did he not rob the place? Mm-hmm. And then black culture responds with, it doesn't matter whether he was committing a crime or not, he's dead. And, right. and both sides can be wrong at times, I think. And so I think the, the accurate response is somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. But as Christians, even more so, like, shouldn't we be the ones advocating for that middle, whatever that is? Right. And I think oftentimes we're just, we find ourselves jumping to the side of, making a decision or making a judgment. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason I also said, you know, I wanted the congregation to suspend the judgment is I, I purposefully chose quotes that were a little bit out there, like rap lyrics, you know, mm-hmm. and talking about let the kids get killed so that there's one less mouth on welfare. I think our visceral response to something like that is to write it off. Mm-hmm. We hear that said and we go, he's just being ridiculous. Right. And you hear like that Baldwin quote that I quoted, it's how ridiculous is he that he's thinking he's going to get killed in his own home or something like this. And the real thought that I had was we can't even fathom the possibility that this could be real Mm -hmm. when we listen to it. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's so far from our idea of what culture and society are or should be that when we hear something like that, we write it off right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was really profound as I was thinking about that and kind of scary mm-hmm. because when are we ever listening to anybody that's not like us if that's what we're doing? Right. And so I just wanted to make that 
point really clear. Like, wait, you can't just listen to the emotion, listen to the experience that's being conveyed here, because whether or not you judge it well, mm-hmm. this is somebody else's experience. This is somebody else's reality and how they're understanding their reality. Mm-hmm. So if their understanding is wrong, then you know there's room to lovingly come across and help them see that. Right. But if it's just different, then I think there's a lot of responsibility that we would have to withhold judgment and understand why they're saying what they're saying. Yeah, you and both of the sermons, and I mentioned this to you earlier as well, um, you really went out of your way speaking as someone who would be considered a minority, right. as a Hispanic, to say, yeah, I've, and you explained some, some racial stuff that you've wrestled right. with and people following you around in a store. and But then you set that all aside and you were emphatic yeah. in saying, this doesn't even light a candle yeah. to what uh, I think you said our black brothers and sisters go through. Yeah. You seemed, and that was in both services, that was consistent, you seemed really, uh, really moved in your heart and in your mind uh, as you've come to realize this is a to- this is a totally different ballgame yeah. with what they go through. Um, was that something that you learned through this, something you thought yeah. while or yeah when did you come to that realization and help me understand a little bit more about that yeah uh, I think initially it may have been born of just like I shared a little bit of that experience of moving out to the Midwest and experiencing some of those things and thinking <laughs> thinking that I was somehow closer to the persecuted side of the issue mm-hmm. um, but really I think as I was reading and researching and working on this sermon, I think what really impacted me in my heart was just the unrest of the 60s -hmm. and this kind of transition period where segregation, Jim Crow and all this was real and then it had been outlawed. Um, Part of that came through reading, part of that came through some different movies and videos that my wife and I were able to, to watch together and just the, I guess, I don't wanna, I don't wanna make myself like, I'm not trying to elevate or say that I'm holy because I feel this by using this word, but the compassion that I wanted to feel for these people mm-hmm. was so real as I was learning about it and watching this movie and reading the books. So you experienced that. Edu- I just, whatever, what did Isaac say? Education. Yeah, education leads to compassion. Leads to compassion. Yeah, and like I said, it's no. I'm not saying it's because I'm holy or anything right. like this. It's just the visceral reaction by God's grace that I felt as I watched these things and read these things mm-hmm. was this real desire toward compassion. Mm-hmm. And so when I said it that way, it wasn't for a dramatic effect. Like... I've really, really seen that through the, just through the, the learning that I did for this sermon. Mm-hmm. Our black brothers and sisters have experienced a lot. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate you hear kind of the rhetoric of, well, aren't we beyond that now? And that was the 60s. We're so, fur- so much further along. And I think the reality is in, in certain ways, yeah, that's true. But I think broadly, I think we're not there yet. Right. Know, I think there's still, as the more I learn, uh, there's still a lot of room that we, there's a lot of ground we have to make up before we can, mm-hmm. you know, fairly say that. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just really education, I guess, is the, the short answer. Mm-hmm. The more I learned and the more I looked into it. And that, like I said, for me, it was learning about the 60s and the unrest there. Some of the books I listed in those resources go back to slavery and what the slave ship was like. And mm-hmm. I just, I don't understand how somebody could go through reading something like that and not be moved yeah. by that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I guess 
let me kind of go to this aside as I was prepping for our for this sermon. I was thinking about okay, what do I what do I need to say? What do I need to convey? And the first thought is people need to understand that they're racist. <laughs> <laughs> right, unintentional as it may be. No, that wasn't the first thought. The first, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. The first thought is people need to know that they're racist. And uh, as I started thinking about the faces and the names of the people in our congregation, mm-hmm. you know, not this ethereal group of white people that I'm preaching a sermon at racism on racism at. Mm-hmm. As I started thinking about our people, I was really convicted and encouraged because I just started seeing faces and names and people that I know and people that I've been privileged to be in their homes and share meals with. Right. And I just, you know, our people are not overtly racist. They're just, they're not. Mm-hmm. And where I kind of started as I was thinking through it, it, I think a lot of it is born of ignorance. And that's not said maliciously or derogatorily, just And that was another point you made, though, when you said if we don't get out of our comfort zones, we'll not know what we don't know. Yeah. We don't even know the gap that exists. Yeah, yeah, Because we just stay. I love how you said we have the, I think you said the privilege or the luxury of being able to literally go to a place and not have to deal with it. Yeah, where racism is not a reality. It's not, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so that's kind of where the heart of my sermon was coming from was I know my people aren't maliciously acting in these ways or thinking in these ways. Right. But... I also know that they're missing it. They're, mm-hmm. And we as a church are missing it. And so that was what I wanted to convey was there is this experience out there that yeah. if we were to learn about, I, I have no doubt our people would be moved forward and toward reconciliation. So, And that's funny. You should, the way you just brought up reconciliation, you used the term uh, a couple of times throughout the sermon, racial reconciliation, or yeah. if you want to move towards reconciliation in this area. I don't, one of the things that I was thinking as you were preaching, I don't think you defined it. I didn't. So how, what do you mean by racial reconciliation? I'm, I have a picture of it in my mind and I'm familiar with it, but maybe people haven't read in this area or thought. So what do you mean? Racial reconciliation. Honestly, in the context of this sermon, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what the, the sincere answer to that is when I think about our church and our people, because I, I know that I didn't want my message to convey some kind of social agenda. I didn't want people to leave thinking the proper response and, and a successful result of this sermon is for our crowd to be more colored. You know, mm-hmm. That wasn't the goal. And so I don't want to say racial, racial reconciliation will be completed when our population is 50% black or brown or whatever. Right. I don't. That wasn't what I was thinking as far as racial reconciliation. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, on the personal side, do we have a heart to be reaching out to these other people. Do we, do we even give a care? Yeah, do we even care? And mm-hmm. so I think, if anything, it would be more that. Right. In my own heart and mind, is there a barrier that I'm either ignorant to or or protecting mm-hmm. that's keeping me from thinking about people of other races um, differently than God would have me think about them? Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, how would I say that? Yeah. I guess that my thoughts would be reconciled in such a way that God's thoughts are thinking about these other people too. Sure. Maybe that's the goal there of of Mm -hmm. reconciliation. I know for me personally, um, the whose kingdom are you building emphasis was really helpful. Even so just today I posted, you know, from Matthew six, seek first the kingdom of God and just acknowledge that today I'm going to be making kingdom building choices. Yeah. I, I will make choices that will build a kingdom whether I want to or not, yeah. it's all moving towards a certain end. And I was really, uh, I was really impacted by that. I remember you said, if you if you're known more for your political opinions, you're probably building 
the wrong kingdom. Yeah. And um, I think that was really important because we live in a day where people have what I like to say an itchy Twitter finger. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just an easy thing to do to just spout what you believe and yeah. have many people and even to this point, it's had see it. it's had very little consequence to this point. What do you mean? Like what? Who who yells at you or how do you get in trouble if you say something ridiculous on Twitter? Mm-hmm. No, and now I think as I was looking through news articles and stuff, the job applications and stuff, they're going through people's Facebooks and stuff like this now. Right. So it's starting to pick up consequence. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like to this point, people have just been able to say whatever they want oh, on the internet, saying. right? Consequence free and mm-hmm. no no repercussions. So. Yeah, yeah. So that was really really helpful to me and thinking about just thinking about kingdom building, having a kingdom mindset, and realizing my choices, like you said, they do have consequences. Yeah. And they have personal consequences for me. It could come up in a job interview, but there's consequences to other people as well. There's consequences to my walk with the Lord and how I view the nations and different people. And if I view somebody else primarily by their race, uh, their background, um, I'm not viewing them in the two groups that God does encourage me to view them as, either a sheep or a goat. Yeah. Um, That was really, really helpful. Let me, you also brought up, um, when when talking about uh, kingdom building, um, you said, uh, you challenge us rhetorically with the question of, you know, if we deport, so I'm going to go there. If if we deport <laughs> illegal immigrants, we're back in the minefield. We are. Whose <laughs> whose kingdom is being you said built or defended? Yeah. And that was a really helpful question. So much so that I had to get past it because I wanted to keep listening. But yeah. it was it was something that I really wanted to con- consider. And yesterday you had the privilege of monologue and being rhetorical. Yeah. <laughs> Today though, let me ask you, what do you think? Um, let me, all cutting aside, I'm just curious, poking the bear, whatever, deporting illegal immigrants, whose kingdom is being built or defended? And you said, is it your own? Is it President Trump's? Is it yeah. America's? Is it, do you have, have you thought through that? Do you have an opinion? Or have you gotten Yeah, so, so I wasn't lying at, in the pulpit when I said I don't have a fully formed opinion. <laughs> um, That's there, true. Yeah, touche. You did say Yeah. That. A couple of things do come to mind, though. I think the first thing, uh, I think... Here, I think it really came out too in this last election, but I think a lot of white Christianity, if I can say that, uh, has really mixed up nationalism with Christianity. Hmm. And so I think they think, or I think there are people that think, you know, good policy is good, good Christianity or good Christian living too. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's unfortunate, you know, because. The, the role of government is not to establish religion. It's not, and I don't mean that like separating of church and state. I just mean the role of government is not to be God's representatives mm-hmm. here on earth. That's our job as individuals to be God's representatives. Mm. And so when we as God's representatives forsake that calling for this nationalistic ideology, I think that's a poor trade on our part. Hmm. Um, the nationalism just doesn't, doesn't pay out you know there's only one thing as christians that we believe is is can save people and that's the gospel mm-hmm. and so i think that was my first kind of reason for saying it that way was just are we thinking nationalistically or are we thinking lovingly right and i just wanted people to kind of step back and reflect on that mm-hmm. um kind of the second way i would answer the question is i think 
we have a scriptural call to the orphan, to the sojourner, to the refugee. You know, there's another word that I didn't use in the sermon, but it's a hot, hot button word yeah. these days. So let me, I'll interrupt. We have a scriptural call. Yeah. Now, when you say we, yeah. you're not speaking French. You're, and you're, you're not referring to we Americans. No, we Christians. We Christians. Yeah. And I think that's an important distinction to make. Yeah. Because it really is two different discussions. Yeah. You say we, constitutionally, no, we don't. You're 100% right. Yeah. No, no, we don't. The Constitution doesn't protect the immigrant. The Constitution protects the citizen. That's fine. Yeah. You're saying, put that aside. Yes. Because my primary identity, I don't want to wrap the Bible in the flag. Yeah. Right? My primary identity is not... Uh, myself as an American, but it's right. me as a Christian, as a child of God. Right. So when you say we have a calling, you're saying we, not as Americans, no. not as Canadians, not as Mexicans, not as Europeans, not as Asians, we as Christians, Christ followers, yeah. have a calling to the immigrant, to the refugee, yeah. to the sojourner. And, it, and I think I would even nuance that a little bit more, if, there, if it can be, but we as Christians who have a gospel that can save people, like, we have to keep that in mind. This isn't about mm-hmm. social. This isn't just about resources. This isn't just about showing love for show, for the sake of showing love. Mm-hmm. This is because we have something that people need. This is because we have something that people, that will save people for the next life, not just this life. Mm-hmm. And so, because even then, right, Christians can get caught up in the cause and the social justice of, of the cause itself. But that's not what we're going for either. Right. And that's still missing the mark. It's still missing the mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I mean, just last week, uh, David Platt put out an article about how we as Christians have a call to love the illegal immigrants in the U.S. I mean, David Platt's the president of the IMB for the Southern Baptist, the International mm-hmm. Mission Board for the Southern Baptist Convention. That's pretty bold, you know, and unfortunately... He, Russell Moore, these guys that are at the head of the SBC right now, they're taking a lot of flack from oh, from middle America yeah. for these stances on immigration mm-hmm. and refugees and things like this. And honestly, some of the responses that I've read are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to defund the you know, cooperative program. It's like, really? <laughs> we're trying to love people? And your answer is, well, I'm going to take my money away from yeah. your cause? Like, take... The father that we serve, the God that we, we're we serving, uh, can give us money if this is what we need, you know? Like, right. I don't know. So it, the rhetoric right now in our culture is just so confused. Mm-hmm. And the line between nationalism and, and Christianity is, is blurred mm-hmm. in culture. You know, you come right. to a place like Grace, I think we do a little bit better of a job uh, distinguishing between the two. But... Yeah, for sure. If you're just listening to culture or, or the news or whatever, mm-hmm. man, it's it is not very clear right now. Which is why, and you know, we talk about it a lot. And Brad kind of, you know, pokes fun when he's preaching, and he's like, "Guess what's coming? This is why. You ready? You have to read what your Bible. How yeah. much? All of it. <laughs> and it's not just oh, here we go again. I got to read my Bible, but I'm inundated with all this yeah. crud yeah. from culture." From what I read, from what I watch, uh, even whether or not I'm doing a good job of, of, of how I'm stewarding my time and protecting my eyes and all that, you can't get away from it just right. in conversation with other people. So in order to have an answer for the faith that lies within me and to be able to do so with meekness and fear, yeah. like we're told to, um, I need to be spending time in God's word. Uh, I need to be praying that my mind would be renewed in Christ yeah. so that I can 
be able to separate the, the fish from the bones, yeah. right? And also be able to engage the culture in a way that's not just fearful rhetoric and not just the typical line from the left or the typical line from the right, but really give people hope yeah. from the scriptures. I think practically, too, one of the things I experienced prepping for the sermon was just if I watch too much news, mm-hmm. there's a sincere part of me that just gets down. I get yeah. sad. I get discouraged. How could you not? Yeah, well, how could, I agree with you. Yeah, right? how could you not? I don't get riled up. I'm going to change it. I'm just like, it, oh, my It doesn't gosh. make me want to go post on Facebook. It makes me want to cry, you know? Right. Like, Man, things just seem so bleak. Mm-hmm. And so that's all the more like we need to be reminding ourselves of biblical truth and biblical perspective on these issues because, mm-hmm. you know, unlike what the president said in his inauguration speech, America is not the savior. You know, right. America is not going to save, save right. us and save the world. Mm-hmm. Christ is and we're his hands and feet. So if right. we're not going to do it, who else is going to do it? Yeah, for sure, man. Well, I appreciate uh, you taking the time to uh, discuss these things. Um, I mean, you know, a week, one week from today, Monday, March 13th, we're going to have, um, I think we're calling it like GFC <laughs> chats. I don't know what we're talking about, but it's basically, well, no, I do know what we're talking about. I just don't know what we're going to call it. Um, but we're going to have a, a roundtable discussion, probably without the roundtable. And uh, it'll be an opportunity for people to come together uh, at our church at Grace Fellowship's Fort Thomas campus. Uh, we'll start at 7 o'clock. Uh, I imagine we'll go to, I don't know, our smokers go 7 to 9. It'll probably go 7 to 8.30 or so, whatever. And um, we're going to talk about this issue because I just find increasingly issues like this, um, we're not going to dedicate nine sermons to it. We're not. That's just not how we roll. We're not going to do a conference on it, but we can still talk about it. And uh, I think it's dialogue like this that's really, really helpful. Um, and we can learn from one another. There's ways that people have thought through this. There's ways that people have prayed through this, and there's different perspectives from different people um, based on how the Lord has directed their lives. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Again, if you're interested in that, that's coming up on Monday, March 13th, 7 o'clock at Grace Fellowship's Fort Thomas campus. You can get information on the location of that at graceky.org. Also, this podcast... um, can be found. I'm on iTunes now, by the way. Yeah. Big deal. Kind of a big deal, not really. But uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, but also you can log on to PeterLaRufa.com and you'll be able to see a transcript of this podcast. Um, I will also, excuse me, I'll also do my best to list some, maybe all, links to the resources that uh, Jesus mentioned, uh, referring to at least, in his outline that he gave us yesterday if you're at church and once again let me encourage you to listen to the sermon if you haven't heard it already graceky.org forward slash sermons it'll be at the top of the list by sometime this week but if you're listening to it after the fact uh, look under speakers look for the name jesus Cantu, and you'll be able to find that uh without a problem short list it's a pretty short (laughs) list but it's a great list it's an awesome list he's two for two and batting a thousand Anyway, thanks so much for listening to Between the Lines. Thank you for taking the time to be with me. And again, thanks for preaching that great message. And um, hope to talk with you next time on Between the Lines. Take care.